Hello and welcome to this New Testament Journey episode, episode 8. We are into the heart of the fantastic, exciting, thrilling book of Acts. I'm back here with Tom in the basement in South Croydon and we are absolutely loving this New Testament journey. We're loving where it, where it's taking us and there's been a bit of a shift of gears this week in the book of Acts. Tom. We move away from kind of Jerusalem, Peter and John being the centre of gravity of the book under Jesus, of course. And now we get into Paul and Barnabas and the church in Antioch. Yeah, and I think uh, something that I've always been taught, at least I've understood I've been taught this, is that Acts is primarily the story of Paul's missionary journeys. Mm-hmm. So you have the introductory bit, as you say, and then you hit, hit into these chapters the general narrative, if you open your Bible, a lot of Bibles, you have maps and they'll have Paul's first missionary journey, Paul's second missionary journey, and Paul's third missionary journey. And I just want to speak into that a little bit because I think that ultimately that's not quite the picture that Luke paints for us and probably wouldn't have been how Paul himself would have wanted this story to have been thought about. Because what we have done, we've grown up in a world where... Uh, the individual has become king. Where that's come from, we could go into other times and we have spoken about yeah. in other places. But what we've ultimately done in the church, especially in the West, is adopt an incredibly individualistic view of faith. Add into that the idea of celebrity. What we do, a disservice to the Book of Acts, if we do, is to say it's all about this one guy, this mega super apostle called Paul. Because what Luke does in chapters 11, which was from last week, and 12 through 16, is paint a picture of a church, of a church, of a people created by Jesus. Uh, It's the church of Antioch. And so what we want to do today is really to spend a good chunk of time celebrating church. Jesus really and truly, rarely, if ever, uses an individual in isolation. It's always about church. It's always about people gathered together. So the letters in the New Testament, which we call Paul's letters, are actually not Paul's letters. Not a single one of those letters is signed off by Paul on his own. Maybe the pastorals, but the letters to the churches, it's always Paul and Silas, Paul and Timothy, Paul and somebody. It's always people together. What I think we, we want to try and address today is, is a, the joy and the beauty of the church at the centre of the mission of Jesus, mm-hmm. and really at the only centre of the mission of Jesus. And just to throw something nice and controversial in really early on, why not? You know, we might as well, uh, we might as well do what the book says. What we found, I think, and I don't know if you agree, is that um, we found that a lot of churches, particularly post-war denominationalism, caused a lot of churches to actually not be engage with mission, to not truly be pursuing the mission of Jesus, fill with the Spirit. And what a solution to that was created, which was actually to, for people to start to step away from the idea of church. And individualism maybe played a part in that. And it all became a part, um, I'm going to go and do my thing. It's a Billy Graham crusade, or it's this person's ministry, or I'm going to set up a charity or a parachurch organisation. And a lot, of these ch- a lot of these things were set up with intention of really doing what the church wasn't doing. It was straight-jacketed. A guy called David Pitches, a bishop of the Anglican Church in South America, returned to the UK, looked at the Church of England in the UK, 
And he said the, par- the parish system, which basically says a church operates in a certain geographical area, he, he stood up in a very public setting and he said, this is the condom on the church. It's preventing multiplication. Everyone's aghast. <laughs> and so the solution to that contraceptive technique that the church had created for itself was to, to go and do all kinds of other things which weren't church. Mm. And I, I think that's a sad backward step. I think ultimately the place that we pour our hope, the place we pour our money, the place we pour our energy for the mission of Jesus is the church of Jesus. And by that, I mean the gathered people with three things. I think we see Luke showing three things are true of the church for it to be true church, because just because you say I'm a church doesn't make you a church. Mm -hmm. But for, for it to be true church, you'd see three things in place authorised leadership and by authorised leadership we mean authorised by the spirit you can see that the spirit has authorised and it will use several times you know god proved the message was true by signs and wonders the presence of the holy spirit confirms this person is a leader yeah and you see that in church you should see that authorised and recognised by other leaders so there's two things. If you have an organisation that is trying to reach the world, reach the nations in the name of Jesus, and it hasn't got leadership authorised by the Holy Spirit and recognised by other church leaders, it lacks teeth. Mm-hmm. It, won't, it, won't, it won't do the job. Second thing is it has committed community. Church has committed community. You see this, the people choose to commit to one another. And Luke shows the power of that. It's so easy in our day to choose a relationship and to drop in when it's inconvenient, uh, drop out when it's inconvenient. And what Luke actually shows with this book of Acts, and particularly the church in Antioch, these are guys who they loved one another. They came together. They heard one another's stories. They devoted themselves to fasting together, to praying together, to sending Paul and Barnabas out together, to hearing the stories, to kind of going, dealing with the challenge of these guys who come and said, oh, hold on a minute, the Gentiles need to... They deal with that together. It's together. They don't split. They don't separate themselves off. It's committed community. And it's, they're not a homogenous group, are they? The guys that are drawn together in Antioch. Maybe you're going to go on to talk about that a little bit more. But... No, I mean, there's a guy who's grown up with a silver spoon in his mouth mm-hmm. in Caesar's palace. Yeah. There's a guy who's called the Black Man. Mm-hmm. There's a guy from Cyprus. There's Paul. There's Barnabas. We know Paul and Barnabas have a bit of an argument, yeah. don't we? Yeah, so this, this, out but they choose to stick yeah. committee community. And the third one is a kingdom culture. Mm-hmm. So this is a celebration of the church, really. Yeah. The place where the followers of the way were first called Christians. Yeah. I guess I just want to, in this post-COVID moment where church has maybe gone online or people have popped in and popped out or looking around, we want to just strongly advocate that Luke paints a picture not of individuals following Jesus. He paints a picture of a community called the church, the Christians, with leadership that's authorised by the Holy Spirit and recognised by other leaders with a commitment to community and by a culture that is of heaven. It's like this This feels and looks a bit like the kingdom has come. Mm. Amazing. So that's 
And that's what forms in the wake of what we might call revival or Holy Spirit outpouring, you know, which we saw first in Acts 2 and then again through the chapters of Acts in the different contexts, like that powerful, outrageous almost move of the Holy Spirit. Mm. It doesn't just fling off lone rangers all over the place, does it? I mean, you know, there are bits and pieces that break out in the corners, but there's this strong weight towards trusted leadership, committed relationships, kingdom culture. And there's a verse, I think it's in chapter 12, where it says Paul and Barnabas, having gone around, they then appoint elders in every town. Yeah. They don't want these lone rangers. And, you know, let's just talk to those of you who you've had a church leader who has treated you badly. The truth is there are are many leaders in churches who have behaved really badly. And we've seen a lot of the news of that in COVID, really, really badly. And there's a temptation in that. And probably a very understandable temptation to say, I'm going to take a step out of church, back back away from church. I need space out of church. I think the message of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts is, there will be challenge in church. And we're going to look at one of those challenges in this in these chapters, the profound challenge. Yeah. In fact, there's two arguments because yeah. there's a challenge between the Judaizers and the Antioch church's heart, and then there's a, a battle or an argument between Paul and Barnabas. You'll see it. Yeah. The appeal is be part of the church. Don't give up on the church. There are good leaders out there. There are good communities who are committed to each other. There are people who have culture. Now, it may not have been present where you were, but don't give up on the church of Jesus. Yeah, it's like sometimes the default is I've experienced bad leadership, therefore I want no leadership. Yeah. That's not a good place to be. You're isolated, you're out of touch, you're not receiving all that the Lord would have us receive because he set the whole thing up so that we'd be in the mix with with good leadership. And the reality is you can never have no leadership, because mm-hmm. as soon as you just think those won't lead me, then you lead yourself. Yeah. And church, when it works well, will never have one person leading you. You'll benefit from the wisdom of a mass. Like we see the leaders at the Antioch, there's about five or six of them named, and then it says later many of them were preaching. Mm. The beauty of the ch- of church, when it's properly done, yeah. is that you're not yielding to one leader, but you're saying the, the, the combined wisdom of the Spirit of God manifests across these people a yield to that leadership. So why not be led by people who seem together, collaboratively, in honour of one another, to lead in the way of Jesus? And why not become one of those people? Yeah. Yeah. Why not become one of those people? And when that happens, when um, the spirit moves and there's good leadership in charge, kingdom culture, committed community, what kind of stuff bubbles up? What, what, What happens out of what we see happening in those chapters? So I think that you see, I think there's five things that I've picked out. Now, there's probably more. There's probably more. Uh, but the first is power and prophecy. So maybe that's two. Let's get that. We've got six. <laughs> prophecy is powerful, isn't it? So this guy, Agabus, stands up and says there's going to be a famine yeah. in all the Roman world. And there is. There's, there's prophetic stuff. And uh, it talks about in the leaders of the Antioch church, there's teachers and prophets. And actually later, there's a couple of, I think it's called Silas and Judas, I think. I can't remember the Judah. I can't remember the name. They come from Jerusalem and they're prophets and they prof- and they minister as prophets 
to the church in Antioch. So there's a prophetic culture that we should expect to see in church. And I, I just flesh that out a little bit for us, Tom. I mean, you know, obviously in, in these times, they had the Old Testament. They weren't reading the book of Acts about themselves. It hadn't been there. Sometimes the, the arguments made, you know, the prophet just interim guidance or whatever. When we say it's a prophetic church, what, what's it getting at there? Yeah, well, I think if we look at the verses, that, and ultimately the Bible is our authority. Mm. So this tells us what, what's what. What Agabus stands up and says is there's going to be a famine in the Roman world. This is the word of God for this moment, for these yeah. people prepare. And so they actually, what they do is they take a collection and they give the money to the poor to make sure that they're going to be well equipped to cope with famine. There's another instance of Agabus, I don't know if it's the same one, it probably is, mm. who says to Paul that like, you're going to bound. They're going to be bound, yeah. yeah. And it says in, the, in this verse of these two prophets, who it says they minister encouragement to the people. Mm. So it's not new instruction necessary. It's not new content that we get from prophets. They won't be adding extra chapters to the book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. Prophets will be encouraging the people by saying, this is God. He sees the situation right now. This is how he'd have you act. And I would love to see more of that incredible prophetic stuff in our church. Imagine if somebody stood up and said, there's going to be COVID in this church. In in this nation, there's going to be this outbreak of the coronavirus. We need to prepare now and be ready. That's effectively what Agabus did. And the whole church was prepared because of that. What a wonderful thing that would be to be in a church where those big things and the small things yeah, amazing. So a prophetic element. Yes, yeah. well, diversity, so you've covered this. Yeah. Just love it. Yeah. Love it. I mean, something that's so important to us is that we manifest the, the vision of heaven, which is every tribe and tongue gathered together before the Lamb, saying, you are worthy. Yeah. And something that has been a tragedy, really, for the church in the West has been what's called the ethno I can't remember. Anyway, the people principle, which is basically the way you grow a church fastest is choose people most like you. Mm-hmm. Try and reach other sim- people similar to you, similar background, similar understanding. They like the same music. They have the same stuff. And gather them and you can grow fastest. And of course you can probably. Mm-hmm. But what you miss is the kingdom. Yeah. Because the kingdom is diversity united before Jesus. So we should see diversity in the church. And um, um, I mean, we touched about it before, but it's it's across ethnicities and also across economics, isn't it? It's silver yeah. spoon in his mouth, mm. and those those are almost nothing. And gender as well, men and women. It's across so many yeah. different things, isn't it? The reality is, it's harder to commit to community with people very different from yourself. Mm. You know, these guys like to drink alcohol. These other guys say, "No, you shouldn't drink alcohol." These guys like to eat meat and they don't care where it's come from these other people say oh we we won't eat that meat because that meat's come from process that involves sacrifice to idols and it's hard like you have you know you care about these things falling out of the bring and share lunch (laughs) (laughs) but actually it's so much richer it's so much richer to have diversity in community um preaching you know they preach the gospel of jesus you want to be in a church where they open the book and they they preach from the book about jesus Mm. crucified resurrected something that i really want to pick out is honor i think this is so beautifully demonstrated by the person of barnabas Mm -hmm. we all want barnabas in our church don't Mm -hmm. we he chooses to go and find paul nobody wants anything to do with paul 
They're scared of him. They think maybe he's a bit of a bombastic. He's tarnished goods because he used to go around and kill Christians. Barnabas goes, finds him, brings him to the church, lovingly sits with him and works with him for a year. Yeah. And gets him to the place where he's actually recognised as a leader in the church and then walks with him and releases him into all that he has. Oh, the honour that Barnabas shows Paul is incredible. And... The church then also honoured the Jerusalem church, mm-hmm. both in taking a collection and giving the money to this church in Jerusalem. Then there's no rivalry. Like the Antioch church is probably the fast growing new thing, and the Jerusalem church is the old one, maybe trying to cling on to power. It so mm-hmm. easy it could be a battle there. Sure. But they honour them, and they actually yield to the leadership, the Jerusalem church's leaders, yeah. on the question of what do we do with Gentile believers. Mm-hmm. I love it, the honour. I would love to see more honour shown in church, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. I just think it's one of those most beautiful things when you choose not to gossip, you choose not to speak ill. One thing that I loved about the vineyard when I first came across it was a phrase that was said was that our brother is never our enemy, mm-hmm. even when he acts like it. We love the whole church of Jesus. We want to honour every person in every church even when they treat us as an enemy, even when we fundamentally disagree with them, we must honour, and not just Christians, honour the dignity of every individual made in the image of God and finding mission beyond themselves. They went out, didn't they? So the Antioch Church becomes the church planting hub for the Mediterranean. Many, We don't know exactly how many, but many, many churches are planted. And I just would love us to become a church that releases and sends out many church leaders, many churches that more and more people get in on this incredible thing that Jesus brings. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, you can almost see that dynamic in the text with Luke of there's this incredible out, outpourings of the Holy Spirit. They really sound like places you would, <laughs> you'd want to set up a camp and just stay with these incredible gifted people around power ministry happening, worship happening. I mean, that would be, you know, a seven point we could put on, isn't it? A worshipping church. You know, why would you ever want to leave? And yet they had this impulse, didn't they, to go. Sometimes they needed a little bit of shaking with persecution. The Antioch, they seem keen, like, please put your hands on us. Let's get off. Let's get going. They don't set up camp. They live for the honour of Jesus amongst the nations, don't they? So I hope we've painted a little picture, and certainly the passages paint a picture of, of the beauty of church when it is a church established by Jesus, when it's living up the Holy Spirit wants for us as a church. It's beautiful. It's, there's nothing better. Yeah. So anyway, that was, that was what I loved in this passage. But Andy, you were saying you, guidance was a thing for you. Yeah, I was just really caught, particularly by the last chapter of of this week's readings, yesterday's readings, Acts chapter 16, and also it floods back before that and it kind of highlighted what was going on. And it's really, I mean, in many ways it's similar to what we've already spoken about, but just coming at it from a slightly different angle, you know, that question of, wow, these guys were spectacularly fruitful. <laughs> Ridiculous, you know, we're still living in the fruitfulness of their missionary journeys. You know, you, you, you trace the line back, it wouldn't have got to us if all of that hadn't happened. So it's like, how were they so fruitful? And, you know, what did they do? And I was just really caught by the, 
the idea of guidance throughout the text. And there's that particular bit in Acts chapter 16 where it says, and, and the context is Paul and the team, they're following what Jesus has told them. You know, go and make disciples of all nations. So there's this kind of banner, just do what the word says, do what the Lord's commissioned you to do. Then there's a piece of actually on that, I think it's the second missionary journey, they're actually taking the message from Jerusalem around. So they're kind of under leadership who've asked them to do something. So it's like, okay, what Jesus tells you to do, get under good leadership and do what they tell you to do. That's another part of the leadership mix. And then things don't go quite as expected. There's this fascinating line of the spirit wouldn't let them go into a couple of different places. What was going on there? Was that a circumstances closed door? Was it a spiritual sense that they had? We don't know. The text doesn't tell us. Did they not get their visa approval? You know, how did it happen? But evidently there was there was guidance in the moment under that big mission. And then Paul has a vision in the night. But it's not a vision of Jesus coming to him and t- saying, go to this place next. It's a, it's a vision of a Macedonian man calling to help. So there's this prophetic element, which is so common. You know, we, we, we step into the prophetic, we move, and there's this element of, well, it could mean this, it could mean that. But as best as I can discern, well, actually what it says is they concluded. So, again, what we're talking about as community I had this vision. What do you think it means? I think it probably means this. Well, maybe it means that. Okay, together, under the vision of Jesus, under the good leadership, responding to circumstances, prophetic input. So they go to Macedonia. And then, (laughs) once they're there, they respond to Lydia interrupting them. Yeah, they don't meet a man, do they? (laughs) They don't meet a woman comes in and what's the phrase i don't think it's big but she calls them then please stay with me and obviously she becomes like a foundation piece of the church in philippi then circumstances go against them they get arrested again dramatic deliverance and the philippi jailer comes and it opens it up and for me it's just this fascinating picture of in this age, in the age of the spirit, what does guidance look like? How can I be super fruitful? Well, do what Jesus tells me to do. Just go on mission. If I'm doing that, okay, then get under good leadership and do what they tell me to do. Be open to the prophetic, be a part of a team, and then get in the midst of life. And, you know, we made the point last week, circumstances aren't always ideal, famines, persecution, swords. Uh, we haven't dwelt on it. We mentioned it a couple of times. There's relational fallout, even in the culture of honour. Sometimes it just like, mm. it's not perfect, and Luke's honest about that. Mm. But if we do these things, you know, if, if we if we place ourselves in good places, um, and and I, that would maybe be the final piece. As I've been reading these chapters, is it's fascinating to me how they were led by there's an open door here for the gospel. It's bearing fruit. It's bearing fruit. I may be being persecuted. I may be being thrown in prison. I may be being stoned. I may be being flogged. But I'm only going to move on if there's a rejection of the gospel. If there's bearing fruit, I'll lean into it and we'll squeeze it for all we can before we go on to the next place. So it's find where the Father's working, jump in. All sorts of things may happen around the edge, but he's, he's guiding us. So... 
it excited me and I just thought, okay, um, it, because we can have this great man image of, you know, he, he just had a hotline to heaven. Mm. But mm. actually it was, there's more to the guidance mix and, and we, can, we can have that. I love that. Well. I love it that you pick up on specifically on that thing we concluded. I think that I've yeah. not noticed that before. Um, and we won't talk in depth about what's called the Jerusalem Council in Acts chapter 15, but this massive question. Yeah. Again, what do they do with it? It's not, I'm going to do what I think's right. I'm going to pursue my goal. I'm called by Jesus. It's not, it's like we together mm. will conclude what it is the Spirit is saying. Yeah. And of course, they were the apostolic appointed people, leaders for the church. And I think we will never get a chance to sit in a similar place as that mm -hmm. uh, with such authority to decide. Sure. Actually, we, we, we won't require people to follow the whole law of the Old Testament. That's been decided yeah. by the apostles with capital A. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, we, we must and we should routinely sit in a room where we say, look, this is what I think the Lord's saying. What do we conclude? Yeah. And whether that's about a new job, whether that's about a relationship, whether about moving house, whether that's about a new ministry thing that you've gotten as an idea, whether that's as what you should take in action to respond to a difficult situation, right? as much as you can to sit and say, this is what I think the Lord would have to do. What do we conclude with people you trust who are on board in a mission under the However you frame it, you know, this is what Jesus said, good leadership with a team. That is a great space to be in, a great space to be in. So maybe some of you are watching and you think about applying for a new job, about moving house, think about starting a new relationship, think about doing something new or stopping something you've been doing. The best thing you can do in this moment is not make that decision alone. Don't make that decision alone. Find people you trust, small group, find somebody who you think, yeah, they know the Lord, they love me, they're going to give me good advice. Ask them, what do we conclude on this? You don't have to do what they say. Mm. But the reality is that you will be far better off sharing it, having them put in, and then you can go forward. Yeah. So we've come full circle, I think. We're back to the, the beauty and the benefit of the local church. Mm. And just being in that Jesus community, under leadership, committed community, kingdom culture, and I think that's what I think that's where where Luke's pointed us. Yeah. So <laughs> shall we pray? I just uh, let's pray. Let's pray. Jesus, we want to recognise that in this time, there's many who feel disconnected from a community who are committed to them. And Lord, for some of us, that's choices we've made. And for others, that's just situation. And we want to pray, Spirit of the living God, that you would be grabbing people and drawing them into community in this time. I pray, Jesus, for the courage for those who've been hurt or those who have struggled, the courage to step back in again, to be with people again, to, to trust people again. Jesus, I pray for those where the schedule is so full, there's so much on, Lord, that you just you give freedom and permission and actually intentionality to invest in relationships. God, I pray that once again you would cause your church to be strong, to uh, be full of joy, to do well in the Holy Spirit. And by your church, I don't mean buildings with names on it, I mean the people all your people, 
We pray that, Jesus, for your sake, for your glory and for the mission that you want to see done in your world. Amen. Amen.